Well, those of yep. you listening, send uh, send your good vibrations to Trey's posterior. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what my posterior needs. <laughs> <laughs> Downloadable Coffee, or DLC, the podcast where we discuss game industry-related events that happened in the recent weeks, as well as those that are coming up, and the articles that were discussed in the VGOCC. I'm one of your I'm one of your co-hosts, Daniel Shea, and joining me today are Trey Hodge and the other player. Uh, sorry, Michael. Oh, you cut out. <laughs> Who else is here? The other player. <laughs> uh, I'm Michael. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what events happened recently? We had the IGDA Winter Party, um, which was awesome. Super successful. Yeah, that was last weekend, right? Yeah. Uh, or was that two weekends ago now? Two weekends ago. I think we actually already discussed that on the last podcast. So we could probably, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> probably strip me talking about it. Um, <laughs> we had the Beer Club, the video game, Open Coffee Club, Beer Club, whatever the last, what is it, second Tuesday of the month? I don't even know when this thing happens. Last Tuesday of the month? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, which was the biggest. It's at least in the time that I've been going, which is like the last eight months, I guess. It's it's the biggest I think it's ever been. We had a a bunch of people show up. I want to say like over twenty or more people came uh, to Brain Dead nice. Brewing. So we want to always give thanks to Brain Dead Brewing for putting us up. Um, it was a it was a great turnout. A lot of good conversations. That's fantastic. I went to one of the first one or two, and I think it was me, my wife, David, Ray, and Scott, and that was it. So to go from like five people to to that is pretty awesome. Good job. Yeah, you gotta keep keep going. Yeah, it's been cool to see the the club grow in numbers over the last several months. It's pretty cool. Did any other? I can't think of any other events that happened in the last week. Uh, well, I know we have the uh, game dev drink up coming up, not this week, but next week, the second Thursday of every month, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and then that's, uh, that's local area for Dallas, but uh, GDC also starts up that week as well. Uh, I think the week of the 16th? That's, Let me look at my calendar here. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, week of the 18th, sorry. Okay. Well, right before that, I know, I believe South by Southwest is the 15th? 15th, 16th, 17th? I believe is South by Southwest. And have a busy news cycle. Yeah, we'll be a lot to talk about in a few weeks. Cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. So stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> you guys just Speaking sit tight. Yeah, speaking of the news cycle. Recap. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the first uh, article we're going to talk about today? What do we got? And the first article we're going to talk about was put out by Polygon uh, with a headline that says, Fortnite now has a ping system just like Apex Legends, um, which is pretty... Pretty fantastic news, especially for you Fortnite players. Um, article quote, 
Since Respawn Entertainment released Apex Legends, the Battle Royale fans have been abuzz about the game's thoughtful communication options. With the press of a button, you can simply look at an object, tell all of your teammates exactly what they need to know about their environment without needing a microphone at all. And now, within basically a month, Fortnite has taken their entire communication system and implemented it directly into Fortnite. So, you know... I have a lot of opinions about it, but the, but the facts the facts are is that that's that's what it is. And my uh, my people that I know in the industry tell me you can't copyright game design. So, <laughs> I mean, we we saw this with uh, Blue Hole trying to sue Fortnite for Fortnite copying the the overall battle royale mechanics, right? Mm-hmm. And and like specific they, weapons, like frying pans. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, which isn't even in Fortnite actually. Uh, or at least maybe maybe there's a cosmetic item that turns one of your you like your pickaxe or whatever into a, a frying pan or something. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm just kind of amazed at how quickly uh, Epic Games and Fortnite have turned around whole features like that. Usually, yeah. post-launch support for a title isn't isn't that extensive. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that keeps Fortnite going the way it goes because it's it's almost like an organism or a virus. Mm-hmm. Like it just it just grows immediately yeah. upon some kind of release of any kind of content that the people are like, oh, that's great, we should have that too. They're really really fast because yeah. that's a lot to do really quickly on a game that's already been running fairly smoothly the way it has been. To uphaul an entire communication system is pretty fast. It's impressive. Yeah, because most, I mean, most companies have so much red tape you have to go through to approve even like tiny little changes. You look at like uh, when I was going to, you know, when I was going to college, our college was overhauling their branding and just overhauling their branding was like a six month to a year long process. And these guys are turning out like huge features in in just a couple weeks. That's that's crazy to me. Yeah, I think the difference there is that you know, with a with a school or university, that's kind of a public domain. They have to like tiptoe around all the red tape and the problems that might yeah. arise. And Fortnite's a privately owned company; they can just be like, "Do that, yeah, get it done." Yeah. Right? Yep. And if they can do it fast, more power to them. Mm-hmm. So I also wonder if this is being mandated by Tencent because Tencent purchased a controlling share of Epic Games. So I wonder if seeing mm. these features from Apex, Tencent is coming down from on high saying, hey, add those features. Yeah, could be. Well, I mean, what Apex had 25 million players, I want to say in like less than like three or four days. So yeah, something like that. Something rid- ridiculous. And it's fantastic. But uh, I love the game, and I think it's an easy switch for people who don't like things about Fortnite like to still get the same fix, especially on console. Yeah, but I, I I just don't know how like it seems kind of like someone like looked over your shoulder during a test and like took all your answers. You know what I mean? There's something weird feeling about it. But I mean, nothing illegal, nothing illegal. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of how the competition is. However, this is a positive thing. It it just goes to show how quality of a system that uh, those at Respawn created for that pinging system. Not only is that great for for gameplay with online people, right? Uh, because it means you don't need to necessarily have a mic. You can just jump in and play well with your team and communicate well yes. just through their built-in systems. Um, but it's also a great thing for uh, for accessibility, too. 
for mm-hmm. you know disabled yeah. gamers. Yeah, absolutely. I, in fact, I'll vouch for the quality of the system as someone who plays it a lot. I think I've won more games not talking to my teammates than when I play with my friends and we actually can verbally communicate. I think it really streams, streamlines the process quite a bit in a, in a fairly spectacular way, uh, particularly on consoles, which haven't really had many games that have this kind of uh, system in it before. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, we've relied on voice chat for so many games for how long now? And just on console players, they just had to deal with the uh, the toxicity, right? Mm-hmm. So now I think, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Apex have an option to just disable voice communication from other players altogether? So you could just rely on the pinging? It'd be crazy if they didn't. I haven't actually looked or checked. I mean, I could turn around and turn it on and tell you, but <laughs> I, haven't, uh, I haven't actually looked because, you know... If you want to talk cool, if you don't, I can just mute you. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's really it's really spectacular. So I don't know, more power to Epic, I suppose. If you can improve your game and people can get on board, awesome, yeah. cool. Should we jump into uh, Daniel's or my article? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'll just rattle this off real quick. It's not a very long article. I'm looking at Polygon.com. They released uh, they released an article. By ONS Good, this is called Dune Video Games Coming Alongside 2020 Movies, says Funcom. Um, according to this article, they're going to be partnering with Legendary Entertainment and, Her- and Herbert Properties excuse me, uh, to make multiple video games coming out alongside this movie, which is interesting, I guess, bringing Dune to a whole new generation of people. We've had several iterations over the last few decades of people attempting to do dune some of them more successful than others um yeah <laughs> but uh honestly the last one i saw was was the the really old one with um with sting and uh patrick stewart uh, but this one that i i was surprised by the the number of huge names that are going to be in in this film that's coming out looks like they've got stellan skarsgård oscar isaac uh Jason Momoa, Josh Brolin, and Javier Bardem. Like that's, wow. that's yeah, that's a lot of a lot of big names. I don't know. I for I mean I hadn't even heard much of this movie till till seeing this article. Now I'm now I'm pretty pretty pumped. So it's all you, about uh, execution, man. Yeah, I mean we'll there, see. There were a lot of big names in that first movie too. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Are you? Uh, I haven't personally read the books or seen the movies or anything like. Is is Dune a really good series? I, I mean, I heard it, it. It is. It's a sci-fi it's, series, right? It's considered like the one of the most uh, influential and like just complete. Uh, fans can't say enough good things about it. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's if there were a, a it kind of changed the game. I guess it's yeah. Sounds. It's like up there with your Star Wars and 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 any, but it's literary. The, the all your media adaptations have never been. I've never really held a candle. I've never read the books, but I know in these circles, if there were like a planet whose entire um, societal system were built around sci-fi novels, it would have like a hallowed place in their most hallowed temple. Like that's how they feel about it. Yeah. So if they fail, you want to talk about review bomb problems that we've been having. If this movie fails, it it's going to get just plastered. Well, speaking of review bombs, uh, you saw that Rotten Tomatoes pulled off the whole want-to-see want section of their reviews? Uh-huh. No. What is this? Yeah. 
So uh, Rotten Tomatoes, sorry, it, it kind of segued into a different topic here, but uh, Rotten Tomatoes for a long time has had uh, a section for reviews of movies that aren't released yet, and is kind of like a just to kind of gauge interest from the public. Yeah. Since- so people would be like, oh, I'm so hyped for this movie, 10 out of 10. It's like, why? Okay. But anyway, uh, well, so with the, the upcoming Marvel film, uh, Captain Marvel, right? Um, I think it's Brie Larson who's playing in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> apparently, there's a lot of hate for Brie Larson or hate for a female lead in general on this film. So people have been using that, that section of Rotten Tomatoes, and not not just this film, but many others as well, but to essentially review bomb the film before it comes out. Weird. Sort of like the Steam reviews, or if something's wrong with the game, they'll use Steam reviews to just throw hate at it. Yeah, that's so bizarre. Like, yeah, oh, yeah we've talked about it. Like the movies are not like. Regardless of whether you like the movies or not, like I remember there being a lot of people pumped about the Laura Croft movies coming out. So, so I don't know why, like ten years later, people would change their mind and just be a bunch of jerks. But weird. Yeah, especially since yeah. Wonder Woman was so well received, right? Yeah. I, you know, it's it is basically the best DC movie. Well, you know, and Star Wars had the same issue. They review bombed that, and I don't know if it's because of the the female lead or if it's because it's just another Star Wars that isn't, you know, what people originally had, you yeah. know, 40 years ago. Well, that's a whole other can of worms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Star Wars fans will never be appeased, but... This is true. <laughs> I say that as a Star Wars fan. Yeah, me too. Everybody's going to have things they like about it and things that they hate about it. I mean, yeah, it's... There's so many classic characters that, that people just grew attached to. Like, you yeah. can't argue with the quality of Jar Jar. Right. <laughs> it's true. There's absolutely nothing like artistically integrating. No intellectually insulting property in there whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, back back to your article, Daniel. Yeah, um, and, and that's pretty much it. Um, just announcing that we've got several. Like they they I mean they emphasize that it's plural, multiple games coming out in this IP. So. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see if they can pull it off and you know appease the fan base because I like we said that hasn't really been done yet. But maybe I'll, fingers. I have crossed. a question though, like exactly fingers crossed. But like th- th- here's something that I don't like about a lot of games that are like tie-ins to other types of media. Mm-hmm. It's like. If you don't watch the movie but play the game, can you follow it? Or if you yeah. don't play the game but watch the movie and then something weird happens in the movie, like, for example, uh, Final Fantasy... Um, 15? 15, yeah, where they had a movie that came out right before the game was released that was absolutely plot-related to the start of the game. Yeah. And it's like, what, what, what is going on? So I hate when that cross in the effort to sell more product, you... Remo- reduce the quality of each separate product to yeah. make that happen. And yeah. so yeah. Yeah. like, if this is an episodic series of games that are film tie-ins, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll each hinder each other. Yeah. That's, that's a good question. Cause I mean, just from this article, I, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, that would, that would kind of annoy me too. I, I feel now I'm one of those that, you know, is a final fantasy nut as, as I know you are too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I did go see that fifteen prequel, so so I was all set. <laughs> yeah, I did. Kingsclave was awesome. Well, so 
people complained about that right away, and within the first week, they put out a patch that put in the critical cutscenes from the movie into the game, because the whole movie is set between chapter one and chapter two. Yeah. Okay, see, so, see, I have no idea, but I, I beat the game in, like, four days and just turned it back in, so I don't know. I don't know that I even have had internet at the time mm-hmm. when it was released to even update That's- it. A very weird game. Like, if you... When it first released, it definitely had its own issues, exactly like you're describing. But now, over a year later, they've included so much new stuff to improve that and tie it into the movie better and fill out these, you know, these empty story parts better. Um, Like, there are whole sections in the game when it first came out that, like, you just wake up a week later and, you know, suddenly Mm -hmm. this character's blind and that character's, you know, lost a leg and... Like, Spoilers. <laughs> None if of that you is true. This and that are. <laughs> None of that. Is it's true. all been. <laughs> yeah, I might have to go pick it up and play it again because I know there's been like five five whole episodes added or yeah, something yeah. directly they, into the game. They're just about to release the the final episode, which is a whole episode on the villain. Right, so it just focuses on awesome. how the villain became who he is. Right, so I kind of want to go replay it too for mm-hmm. all of this new content because I, like yeah. you, played it when it first came out and just blew through it in a couple of weeks. Yeah, love. There were a lot I loved about it. A lot of th- lot of things I thought were great, but yeah, as far as story was concerned, I was just like, yeah, I just lost half the time. It's like, okay, sure, I'll buy that. We'll move along. Yeah. So I hope Sorry. I hope that Dune doesn't do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. What, what were you gonna say, Daniel? You cut out there. Oh, I just said, you know, hanging out with my bros, like, yeah, just <laughs> in, like there, there is a lot to love about that game. It's, I, w- I would love it exponentially more if they, you know, increased the the, the speed limit <laughs> that you could hit <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in that car. Cause it's well, they cool. added a whole monster truck mode to the car. Really? Yeah. You can oh, go so off you- the road and everything. <laughs> I have not seen this. Wow. Oh. See, I'm only, and I'm actually only halfway through the game. I trailed off and got distracted by other games, and I still need to go back and finish it. But I would play a monster truck Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> that sounds. <laughs> I'd buy that game. They added it, man. I'm telling you. All right. And, anyway. All right. Sorry, uh, we totally. We Mike, what chase. Uh, yeah. So, uh, coming from the website uh, Gadgets 360. Um, this article is talking about the next generation of game consoles that uh, are likely to be released. There was a leak of the specifications for the PlayStation 5 and the next two Xbox consoles. Uh, and this is primarily just around you know price points and what kind of hardware we're looking at. And uh, this article is from um, or, or late January, so it's, it's pretty recent. So the PS5, we're looking at... A, just going off the specs here, we're looking at like a $400 price point, uh, a one terabyte solid state drive, which is pretty good. The PS4s, when they first released, didn't have a solid state. Um, 12 gigabytes of memory, uh, uh, video video memory, and uh, and normal memory. So, and uh, eight core CPU. Um, but I don't know how much into the specs our crowd is really going to be familiar with with you know, computer terminology, so I'm not going to go super deep into it. Um, but for perspective, that's about, on the base PS4, I don't know, I want to say that's that's something like 150% better. So that'll be interesting to see how it does. Um, the other two are from Microsoft, and this is where it gets weird, because they're doing a streaming-specific console that has no disk drive or anything like that, and then they're doing a... 
a traditional console that just has a lot more power in it. Um, so the traditional console, whatever the name is, I have no idea. That one's looking to be priced at about five hundred dollars, four ninety nine. Um, it's got sixteen gigs of RAM, and what's really interesting to me is a one terabyte NVMe drive, which is uh, the fastest yeah. style of hard drive right now, or Super well, fast. solid yeah. state drive. But yeah, those are way up there. So that's that's a really good sign. That means that we'll see some really fast load times on the next uh, top tier Xbox. Um, what's also interesting is they list uh, DirectX ray tracing on the Xbox consoles, which, uh, if you guys are familiar at all with ray tracing, um, that's uh, that's kind of a new technology that is starting to come out in games that NVIDIA released back in October with their, their recent series of video cards. Um, but it's, uh, I don't know, should I go into what ray tracing is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't okay. know what you're talking about. So I'm, Okay, so it's, it's like light. Right? Right. I'm interested in it. <laughs> So, so in in games, you know how you have you've got lights and shadows, and mm-hmm. uh, traditionally to do this, uh, there's a lot of like baking down into the texture or otherwise, where you'll you'll fake a light source basically, right? So, uh, what ray tracing is, it's instead of faking a light source and like adding shadows after the fact in post process and all of that, um, it's essentially taking like from the light, casting out a line to an object. Okay. And saying, okay, how much does this light impact this object? And then how much light reflects off that object? Okay. Kind of like that. Um, this is a very expensive operation to do on, on computers. So traditionally it's been reserved for film and run on servers. So when like an animated film, when they light all the all the animation, all the characters and all the scenes, they run it through a server farm that just renders it slowly and pumps out all these individual frames. So what we're seeing now is this technology running at runtime, at, at real time, as the game is running. Okay. Um, which is an incredible leap in technology. Yeah, I would imagine, yeah. There's a, a YouTube video that I recommend you check out, um, and it's showing the original Quake, or Quake 2, one of, one of those, um, and somebody set it up to actually use ray tracing for all the lighting in Quake. And it's, it's actually amazing what it does to the game to make it look better. Uh, in fact, I'd, I'd recommend you check it out right now if you can. I'm pulling will, it up, actually. I'll link it in the description. There we go. The show notes. Uh, we'll yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link to it. Uh, yeah, it's Quake 2 fully ray traced. Uh, and it's it's pretty spectacular, the difference. Um, and we're starting to see some other games using it as well. The recent Battlefield game is using it exclusively for reflections. So you get realistic runtime reflections. Right, so their their shot was like showing a character's eye as an explosion is going off distance, and the eye is reflecting the actual like perfectly. Um, and then the new Metro game that just came out this past couple weeks actually is using it for all the lighting in the game, uh, and it's it's pretty spectacular difference, at least in my opinion. Who you know somebody who works in that world? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> It's looking like, uh, now maybe this is exaggeration, but the ray tracing to me feels like it'll be the next like revolutionary step in, in video graphics. Gotcha. Yeah, that sounds incredible. So, uh, it's interesting. We'll see how it and does. And is that uh, on the streaming-only console? Or it looks Microsoft. It's listed for both X- Xbox consoles. They're listing DirectX okay. ray tracing for both. So I don't know how much... That doesn't speak to how much those consoles will actually be able to do it, 
but at least it looks like they're going to support it. Yeah. Okay. Pretty slick that's selling cool. point. Yeah. Anytime we can take a new graphical leap, like it's it's fun to watch. It it sells games, right? Yeah, it really does. Yeah, and then like going back, it's always interesting to like once you're in it, then go back and like, wow, games games looked like crap before, and we didn't know. <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, but then again, you know that can sell games, but now we're starting to see a different trend, especially with esports, where the vis- graphics aren't always the the like key selling point of your game, right? Yeah. Like, uh, what is it? Anthem just came out. That's one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen, and its numbers aren't aren't crazy high. Meanwhile, Apex is just running off of an older engine. It still mm-hmm. looks good, but that's not exactly the selling point for it. Yeah. Everything else about Apex is what's making it sell really well, or making it do really well, and then they're getting microtransaction sales from that. It is a free-to-play game. So. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's like that with a lot of games. Like You, you kind of have a give and take on what you want as a player, because I remember right. like pa- Papers, Please came out just a couple of years ago, and yeah, graphical fidelity had exactly nothing to do with why that was one of the best games of the year. You know, like Papers, Please was, compared to the types of games we're talking about, graphical fidelity had essentially nothing to do with it uh, by way of comparison. So you trade your, your gameplay sometimes for that. And so, sure, But if you, can, if you can get both, right, then why not get both? Well, I think that's a great example of a game that's not, like, graphically impressive, Compared to you know some of these AAA titles, but it is a right. distinct visual style, right? Oh yeah, like Papers and, Please, uh, Return of the Oberdin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what are some other really unique styles um, from from indie titles specifically? Limbo. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah Limbo is a great one. Grease that just came out, or Gr- Gris, Grease, however you pronounce oh, it. Oh yeah, 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 Gris. It's beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Gris, Gris. Now I've I'm been told both. I've been told that apparently Greece is, I guess, Spanish for gray. Um, oh, okay. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, but gorgeous game. And yeah, I, in general, I tend to prefer just like a beautiful, unique, uh, stylistic look. Uh, but, I, but I can't help but be impressed by, by, you know, the every time we take a graphical leap like this, too, and just like changes how, I don't know, not necessarily realistic. Maybe realistic is the word I'm looking for, but yeah, like, I don't know. Trey, just cut all this rambling, because I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just, it's an important point to make about does does your graphical style serve your game? If it yeah. if it's just pretty for the sake of being pretty, well, then it may not make it a good game. But if it's a good game, and your, you know, your art is unique, and your style is, you know, serving serving what's happening for the gameplay for the person, you know, uh-huh. awesome. We may have lost Mike. He's frozen. I, I say that it, in a permanent smile. Yeah, he looks. He looks so happy. He looks so happy right before he went away. <laughs> <laughs> like old grandpappy. Yep, he's gone. Oh. <laughs> oh. Nah, I didn't want to talk about his stuff anyway. <laughs> I'm back. Sorry, Skype hey. decided to update itself in the he's middle of. Back. That happened oh. to me two weeks ago. Like I just what disappeared. <laughs> it just. Brought me back, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it's updated." You should have seen the smile that you were frozen, and it was amazing. <laughs> looked- that do you mean like the creepiest thing ever? <laughs> no, I mean it was like you're kind of in the corner mid laugh, and you just looked so happy for like <laughs> a solid minute and a half. It was really good, good way to go out, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I laughing. 
So, yeah, did did we also want to talk about, since we have brought up Apex in multiple conversations now, do we want to talk about the rise of that game? I think it's an interesting thing to to discuss. Do we, If we're going to make this our, our lengthy discussion topic, do we want to go ahead and do the shout-out section? Although I will have to say that's kind of self-serving, but like, don't worry uh, about I it. I do have the shout-out to Trey for editing uh, I know, right? podcast. Uh, <laughs> I did have the honorable mention, the Singapore thing, too, if we wanted to. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Oh, yeah, that. yeah. Let's go back to that. Um, honorable mention, while we're on the subject of competitive gaming, um, it looks like, and I'm looking at esportsinsider.com, an article by Joe Wong. This is just called, uh, just titled, Singapore Sports Hub to Build Esports Facility with Team Flash. So there is a company in Singapore called Team Flash. They're partnering with Singapore Sports Hub, which is defined um, by this article as a multifunctional area uh, in Singapore that hosts all kinds of events, both sporting, entertainment, etc. Um, it looks like they're partnering together and receiving – this article makes it sound like substantial funding from the government – uh, huh. I guess I guess the, uh, Sports Hub is both privately and publicly funded. It sounds like um, for building a training center, an esports training center to compete in the most like uh, coming up. I guess the 2019 SEA Games and the 2022 Asian Games, but they're wanting to yeah train train young talented um, esports competitors to to go compete um it looks like they're the sports hub they they define it in this article as one of singapore's biggest event facilities housing a 12,000 seat indoor stadium and a 55,000 seat national stadium um jeez they seem super excited about this i don't know it's just really interesting to see like even governments getting in on the on the esports stuff like the world that is interesting acknowledging that yeah this is big this is here to stay and and we want in on it i don't know it's pretty fascinating stuff and i singapore has always held a special place in my heart one of my dear dear friends from high school was an international student from singapore she has since moved back to singapore so i try and keep up with some of the stuff mm. going on there but yeah, that is that is very interesting, especially the fact that the government itself is getting involved. Yeah. Uh, is there any other major, uh, major or otherwise? Are there any other countries where the government is is getting involved in building an esports scene? This article doesn't list any, but it does say that this uh, this is one of the largest that is receiving substantial uh, funding from the government. Huh. Oh, so that makes it sound like there are others, but it doesn't list them off. I don't know. Well, just just by way of comparison, because I thought that number was outrageous for a number of seats. Like just by again way of comparison to other Texas residents, AT and T Stadium, where the Cowboys play, mm-hmm. is a hundred and five thousand seats. Okay. So if you have a government sponsored stadium. That's half of basically the largest indoor stadium, one of the largest on the planet. Like that's very that's a very substantial amount of support that your populace and your like government is giving to the activity of video games that they're gonna have a fifty five thousand seat stadium for this. Yeah. Like that's that's a lot of people to shove into a room to watch a video game. That is, and didn't they build a new stadium here in Dallas for esports? And it doesn't hold even like a fifth of that. It's something like ten thousand people. Boy, when you think about it, they even just ten thousand people—that's just yeah. a lot. But yeah, I mean, it is. But I mean, just 
if you consider how how large our other stadiums are, right? Well, just like just by way of comparison, because of football, like let's say because uh, American football, the NFL makes like just eleven bajillion dollars, like the entire <laughs> season. Like, I'm it's well researched my data, yeah. <laughs> and it's just so like just again, it's just only half of that, but still. Just in one stadium for your government to support, we're going to put an effort into building a stadium for fifty-five thousand people. Like there, there's just got to be a really virulent support for this in Singapore if they can fifty-five thousand people in a stadium. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, pretty awesome. I wonder what the largest esports stadium in the world is right now. That that just has me curious. I oh, suppose nothing. I could, I could. Nothing we can't look too. up. <laughs> We probably have access to a bunch of computers right at our fingertips. What are you talking about? <laughs> all right. Let's well, see. let's uh, while we're waiting on that, let's uh, jump into our, our shoutouts and uh, uh, get all that. Mike's back. I'm I'm you, back for you've been for a time buried in work for for a couple weeks, and now 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 Rebecca's buried in work for a couple weeks, and we're having a having a trade off. Mm-hmm. That's uh that's not a fair trade. Uh, <laughs> Rebecca's already missed. <laughs> of course, but you were missed, Mike. It's good to have you back, man. Yeah, I missed being on the on the podcast. I'm I'm not gonna lie, and I'm, I'm not. The Skype format is cool so far. I do like that we're gonna get a better quality recording out of it. But I miss seeing your happy faces in person. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to just let's be able just, to be involved at this point. <laughs> and let's just hang this up, and I'll go get drinks. <laughs> That's right. Right. Let's be this thing. You're invited if you can time travel. <laughs> Sorry, no, no, no hard data on that. A quick Google search for largest esports stadium yielded mm-hmm. no uh, substantial results. We we can figure it out later. Anyway, yeah, but so yeah, uh, of course, shout outs to uh, to Trey, one of our guests here, for editing our podcasts, right? And uh, Anwar for uh, getting them online and shared out to the world, and uh, Rebecca for organizing as always, and yeah, Nirvana for letting us have our our uh, AOCC meetings. AOCC. That's not it. <laughs> for for putting up with us for such a long time. Thank yeah, you, Nerdbot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Frisco, right? Yep. Yep. Well, when you're in Frisco, get you some coffee at Nerdvana. It is a pretty cool shop. Uh, if you want board games, they sell those too. Yeah, they've got nice. a really cool collection. Yeah, they'll let you play them there while you're at it. So worth <laughs> worth checking out. Cool. Sorry, I meant without no. buying them. They have board games there that you can, play <laughs> you can try before you buy. Anyway. Do not steal them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please don't. Please don't, don't steal them. And whoever keeps breaking the the little claptrap's antenna off, we got my eye out for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess let's talk about Apex. Yeah, yeah. Let's Apex. jump into that a little bit. So that that popped up out of nowhere, announced and released in the same day. There was there was some like very small leaks a little a couple months prior, something a little bit more substantial prior than that, but. I never saw any news articles really pick it up. Mm-mm. Not much, anyway. And then two weeks before one of EA's like biggest titles, they they release it, and it's one of their most successful now, too. Yeah, in fact, it's so successful that Titanfall 2's player base has become exponentially larger as a result. Really? Uh, yes, it's really funny how, because I've been playing Titanfall um, almost... Like that was my online online gaming almost exclusively for like almost a year and a half 
because I just loved it so much. And so it's really funny to pop back over there now and all the servers are populated again and, <laughs> and like out of nowhere just because Apex. Uh, I'm glad so. to see Respawn getting some recognition because that is a solid studio. You know, that that was yeah. formed out of the former Infinity Ward studio, Infinity Ward studio. Uh, when the leaders got fed up with Activision's uh, way of business, I should say, um, they went and formed a new studio under EA this time Though initially they just published were published by EA and they released Titanfall One on the Xbox, mm-hmm. um, and then when Titanfall One didn't do well, EA bought Respawn and they put out Titanfall Two. Oh, okay, so this is weird. This is the second time we've seen EA shoot themselves in the foot with a release schedule. And when Titanfall Two came out, it was uh, a week after Battlefield One and a week before uh, Call of Duty. Infinite Warfare, I think. Titanfall 2 didn't do well. And I'm imagining it's because three big-name shooters all within two weeks of each other, obviously Mm -hmm. they're going to be directly competing. What confuses me is why EA would put out two of their own team's shooters within a week of each other. Right. It just screams dumb to me. Yeah, and and as someone who played all three games, without hesitation, my favorite was Titanfall. I thought it had the cleanest mechanics. I thought it was the most interesting. I thought the online play was the best. Mm. And uh, it just, it was a shame that, yeah, I couldn't talk people into playing it because they were so busy playing Battlefield. (laughs) Yeah, either (laughs) Battlefield or Call of Duty. Most people aren't going to buy two shooters, let alone three. Right. And those are both the titans of the shooter world right now, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Like it's hard to compete with COD for a straight shooter and and Battlefield for you know a vehicular manslaughter game. <laughs> <laughs> Twisted. The, the best game where your medic can fly a plane right into the yeah, whole group of people. Yeah. <laughs> so now, but now we're seeing it again, where EA released Apex without any announcement, released it, and then two weeks later released Anthem, and uh, right around the corner we're going to see Division Two. So mm-hmm. now this is a different scenario where um, Anthem and Division are directly competing, but they're not necessarily the same player base as Apex. So maybe maybe it'll work out fine, but it's another case of EA. What are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> right. And I've heard several people confuse the names Anthem yeah. and Apex Legends, which I don't make know. make what you will of that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, but. Uh, I, for those who don't know, which I guess maybe people in our group probably they all know, but just because we kind of jumped right into it, Apex really is born from the Titanfall two kind of mm-hmm. fallout and the the buying by EA, um, and so it made for a. We, we talked about this a few episodes ago um, about how all the Titanfall fans were concerned with the EA direct purchase because they weren't sure what was going to happen. And then we got Apex, which is in the Titanfall universe with the Titanfall engine, the Titanfall mechanics, and everything right. that comes with it. Except they took out Titans and like wall running, which was like a really big, big deal for the Titanfall franchise because you yeah. know no Titans in Call of Duty. Um, but now Apex, uh, as it came out, is a battle royale game, and in one day crossed a million users with no right. announcement. Right. Like it's pretty insane. Um, and I came to the show like a week week late on Apex because I was playing Kingdom Hearts three, and um, it's fantastic. I, I it had who who here plays it? Uh, I've played about ten matches total. Okay, 
How about you, Daniel? Played um, Apex Legends. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I have not played it. I've watched a little bit of footage of it, and it, it looks neat. Um, I just... Mm-hmm. Well, it's it, what it's doing differently is what sets it apart from the Battle Royale genre. Like, it is a last man standing, last team standing kind of game, but it's uh, it's got, like, three core features that make it way more fun to play with your friends. Uh, and these are, one, the communication tools, because the pa- player pinging, not just to inform where enemies are, or just, a, I mean, most commonly pinging is just like, a, oh, look at this thing over there. It doesn't outline what that thing is. Um, so with Apex, it highlights the object that you are pinging, or the place, and gives contextual clues you know, with audio or subtitles, right? Mm-hmm. So if you highlight a Mozambique, be like, hey, there's a Mozambique here. Go, that, that gun is here. Go pick that up. Or, hey, there's a level 3 armor helmet here. Go pick that up. <laughs> and the UI also tells you what your friends have as far as armor and stuff. So you can be like, oh, I see player three here needs armor. Let me point it out to him. And then on top of that, if you then go pick up that item that uh, somebody pinged, they give you a prompt to thank the person. That's right? pretty cool. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty no cool. mic. So it's yeah. great. Yeah, and I saw it also <laughs> does things like informing you if you've cleared the entire squad out and stuff, so yes. mm-hmm. yes. and things like that. Yeah, it seems seems like they really streamlined and. Yeah, there's there's some additional team play fe- uh, team features that they added here. One of which is dropping all together. So they have one person. Uh, you know how battle royales normally do their thing, where you come across an island with an airplane, and then you choose where you're going to go as a team, and you all drop out and go there. Well, in every other battle royale game, when you choose to drop out, everybody has to, like, on their own, follow each other, and usually if you're playing with random people online, there's always some person who just goes off in the middle of nowhere away from your team, right? Mm -hmm. So the way they do it in Apex is, uh, by default, they have one of your, one of the three people in a team is the the driver for falling out of the the plane, right? So you all go down together, and you can can still branch off if you choose to, uh, but it keeps the team together right off the bat. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then the last major thing that I wanted to bring up was respawning. Um, no other battle royale that I'm I'm familiar with, uh, at least until Fortnite copied it, um, would let you revive your teammates if they were killed. So the biggest problem with other battle royales that I've played when you're playing with friends is you know somebody gets killed early, or if if that's you, then you can't do anything for like 20 minutes 30 minutes you're just sitting there watching your friends yeah. or you jump out and go play another match and join them later on uh, but this keeps you in the game it keeps the action alive which yeah. is very smart yeah and and it streamlines it down even more because it's only 60 players instead of 100 on a map and so it's 20 teams of three and uh, I'll say playing with my friends, it incentivizes us if like someone goes down and we can't pick them up. It incentivizes the rest of us to play super aggressive mm-hmm. um, throughout the rest of the game, either uh, to reckless abandon and we all just die and party up and go again because getting back in a game is insanely fast. Or you know, if you're playing aggressive and you're good at it, then it just expedites the game time and you win faster. Um, right, right. So it's it's all around. I think the the design and the mechanics of it are probably my favorite for the Battle Royale uh, competition. I'm quite the fan. 
Now, I do hope that they get vehicles at some point. <laughs> yeah, there's already been talk of uh, re-adding Titans and adding back in like the wall running and double jumping mechanics from mm-hmm. Titanfall since it occurs in the same universe. But I would imagine if 60 people all jumped on a map with the Titans, I think that that would get pretty outrageously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I think they should do? Unmanageable. It should be like, a, like Power Rangers. Like, you control the legs, you control the arms, you control the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Everybody gets that. What's his name? Zordon? Was yeah. It, right. Uh, a Megazord. Me- right. Megazord. <laughs> no, I'm all, and, and the other thing about it that... Call of Duty technically did first with their new with their battle royale that was attached to Black Ops 4, but Black Ops 4 you had to pay for it, you had to buy the game, um, right. which is the first battle royale you had to you know buy. Uh, they introduced care. PUBG did it was a pay for game and still is. Oh, you had to pay for PUBG at launch. I thought you could get early access before it was released without any. Anyway, uh, I could totally be wrong about any, that. I'm anyway, not a PC gamer. Back to your your. At any rate, though, yeah, ignore me. Ignore what I just said. Um, I'll cut that out. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but, yeah, the um, well, the Black Ops adding character models, like, for, for themed, like, uh, heroes. So for those of you that play, like, Dota and stuff, uh, where each person on your character has its own set of skills, and you, uh, unlike Overwatch, when Overwatch first started, you can't double up, you know, team characters on your team. So it forces you to operate as a team and use your individual talents to make your team better. And the the release schedule is such that they're supposed to continually roll out new characters, and thus altering the fabric of the gameplay every time they release new weapons and new characters. Yeah. So I think they have themselves quite the model for success. I hope so. Uh, it's very interesting to see them bring class classes and class-based mechanics back into uh, a battle royale. Um, in the past, I felt like those mechanics don't work in a battle royale because those kind of mechanics uh, line themselves up or, or you know do well for themselves such that you can experiment with a character and see how it does and how it plays. Um, before, you, whereas like a battle royale, if you drop in and you've got a character that you've never played before, odds are you're going to get taken out real quick and you're not going to like that character because you didn't have a good time that one match yeah. you tried it, right? So adding in the respawn mechanic fixes that. Mm-hmm. Because it, it allows you to continue to try new character skills and all that and not be punished so severely for it. Mm-hmm. Well, Dan, if you got a PS4, download it. <laughs> Come yeah, on, jump on. I guess I should, yeah. I guess I should. I've just been afraid of like the learning curve dropping in and knowing that I'm going to get killed a lot before I... <laughs> yeah, and that's one of the problems. That's a yeah, problem with a lot of battle royals. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I but like I will say... I will say I really like that in this game, I will say the emphasis is still on your ability to shoot the other people. Like, just because you're really good at using the powers does not mean that if you're still a bad shot, you can win. Like, so even if you don't have a grasp on your character, if you can still shoot well, you know, you're going to carry just as much or if not more of an impact for your team. So, Trey, I have to ask, are are you experiencing some back pain or do you have to change? I know I'm experiencing back pain. <laughs> oh, I, ja- I jacked my back up pretty solid today, and so um, just this is better than the folding chair, this stool I'm sitting on, because it keeps me taller and I don't have to bend over quite as far to get out of the chair. But sitting upright in this chair for a long enough time was giving me some grief. So, well, that sounds like a reason to uh, end the podcast. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> All right. Also, well, I just heard my wife hurt. come in with food. 
Well, those of yep. you listening, send uh, send your good vibrations to Trey's posterior. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what my posterior needs. <laughs> <laughs> send All right, guys. Your energy. Uh, right, right. right. There, there's your soundbite for the start of the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Y'all have a good night. All right. Good thanks for listening.